Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome back. You're listening to SEN on this Wednesday night, your home of sport. Damian Watson with you, one 736 If you want to have a chat via the call line or you can text in 0433-981116. Well, as we delve closer to the final series, plenty of attention is directed towards players and their preparations respectively for these blockbuster games. But what about the umpires? How are they affected by nerves, if at all? And how has the approach to umpiring in the final series changed over time? To get a better perspective... I'm pleased to say that one of the great VFL slash AFL umpires in Peter Carey joins us on the line. He umpired over 300 games at the elite level throughout the 1980s and 90s, including four grand finals. Thanks for your time, Pete. Thanks, Damien. Now, we'll discuss your time umpiring finals at the elite level at a moment, but firstly, I understand you're currently working as an umpiring boss at the Eastern Football Netball League in Melbourne. How's it been going managing these circumstances from a local footy perspective? Because it's been a tough year at local level. Yeah, look, it has. Um, obviously, we were all keen to get the season underway and things were looking really good. You know, and our numbers were up from a, a recruitment point of view and, uh, yeah, it looked, things were looking really excited and we are all really, really disappointed when it couldn't go ahead. But I think we uh, ended up making the right choice. All the leagues made the right choice given the fact that we had the, uh, the second lockdown. So mm. we would have hated to have started and then sort of stopped. So, um, yeah, a bit disappointing. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully things can recover next year in 2021. Just going back to the beginning for you, Pete, as a kid, what drew you to be an umpire? Uh, well, I, I was actually a basketball referee to start with, right. and I didn't really think that I could do footy umpiring because I didn't think I could bounce the ball. <laughs> so I, I didn't sort of pursue that, but um, in, when I was, I was playing seniors with Essex Heights, had my nose broken in the last game of the season and I didn't even get a free kick. And I thought, well, if, if, if I can't do better than this guy, I'll, I'll go he. And uh, my boss at the time when I was working for Coles was Gary Grant, who was an ex, uh, who was a boundary umpire at the time. Yeah. Did over 240-odd games. Yeah. So he said, well, mate, if you, if you think you can do a better job, go down to the VFL. And, um, yeah, and the rest sort of went from there. And I, I was probably the last one that walked in off the street, having never umpired a game of... Australian rules football. So you're telling me, Pete, that a career spanning over 300 games emanated from a broken nose. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yes. Oh, that's brilliant. I didn't know that. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, you began your career in the top flight of the VFL in 1985, of course, in a completely different atmosphere and culture compared to today. Who were some of the favourite characters you came across, particularly in those early days while you were umpiring? And do you remember any memorable verbal exchanges with players back then? Oh, I can't remember too many too many verbal ones. Um, there was sort of certainly plenty of it. Um, yeah. Characters around then: Mark Mark Jackson, <laughs> uh, Ronnie Andrews, uh, Robbie Muir. Um, oh, and then there was because I was fortunate enough to umpire some of the legends in the game. You know, Lee Matthews was still playing. Wayne Simmelbush, Robbie Flower. Uh, Ross Glendinning and the like so I was very fortunate to be a part of that era as well 
They're speaking with Peter Carey, who umpired over 300 games of the elite level at VFL, AFL level. By the same token, I often hear that players and umpires were less segregated back in those days, and it wasn't entirely uncommon, I guess, to share a beer after the game. Was that actually the case back 35 years ago? Was there a greater understanding between players and umpires outside of the on-field persona? Yeah, yeah. No, we, we used to go, there used to be an aftermatch at each, at each venue. And we would get invited in, and the players would go in, the coaches would go in, and um, you'd often get uh, yabby yabby jeans, sort of get you up in a corner, just have a chat about certain, you know, certain things that happened during the, during the game. Mm. Uh, and it was good. It was good because yeah, we had a beer and uh, we could have a bit of a joke about things that happened. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was actually good for us because we were able to break. Break a little bit of ice because um, you know out in the out in the field of battle it sometimes got a little bit heated and it was it was pretty serious. So to be able to have that um, interaction after the game was really really good. Well, umpires today, I think they're by and large full time, or it's certainly a full time commitment. And there's a significant amount of training that's undertaken each week. They look at videotapes. What was the training regime back 35 years ago when you started? We trained twice a week and we would train from about probably 6.30 until sometimes 8, sometimes 8.30. So it was it was pretty full on, um, rain, hail or shine. And we yeah, all we did was run pretty much and did some bouncing at the end. And uh, that was that was pretty much it most of the time. We're speaking with Peter Carey, who umpired over 300 games at AFL <laughs> level. So in terms of the actual training, if there was a decision that was controversial or one that possibly could be revised. Was there any feedback that was undertaken or was it sort of just left alone? Uh, yeah, look, we, we didn't have a lot of video early days when yeah. I first started, um, but you certainly got sufficient feedback from, you know, like our boss, Bill Della. He, he was he was pretty straightforward, which was good because you, you, you pretty much knew it was coming because you knew how you performed on the, on the weekend. And... Um, yeah, anything that was really, really major that we need, we needed to look at, we, we saw vision of it and the whole group went through that so that we could uh, learn from it. Tell us about umpiring at some of those tribal suburban grounds in the 80s and 90s, such as Victoria Park, for instance, which was a bit of a hotbed for umpires back in the day. Was it ever intimidating at times for you? Uh, yeah, it was, well, I wouldn't say much intimidating. It was it was really, really good to be able to go on out on those suburban grounds. Like my first game was at Collingwood Park. Mm. And you'd walk out the race um, under the Sharon stand. You'd get spat on by the, the, the supporters. <laughs> then you'd go to Princess Park, and when the game had finished, you, as you were coming off the ground, the horses would come out, the police horses would come out to take you off and protect you, but they'd stand on your foot. Um, <laughs> or, or, or they'd, uh, they'd pull over the place, so that wasn't great. Yeah. And... Um, then at Moorabbin, you get uh, I got urinated on in the, in, the, in the animal enclosure one day. You're kidding! While we were waiting, yeah, waiting in the waiting in the umpires race for the seconds to finish, and um, yeah, that was uh, dead set happened just before we went out. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Imagine that mm. happening these days. Oh, oh yeah, no, wouldn't happen. No. Well, people often talk about abuse on social media and things like that in the modern age. Umpires have been verbally abused for years, as we've just spoken about, by thousands of people for split-second decision-making. Does it take time to build up that hard shell, and did the abuse ever get the better of you at times? No, no. 
No, I mean, I, I was pretty thick-skinned at the best of times anyway. Mm. And uh, you knew you knew it was part of the job. You knew it was coming. And most of the time, you'd just stare at them, look at them in the, in the eyes and just sort of, that, that was about it. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. So if you can't do anything about it, just you just got to try and do your best and make sure they don't give them any ammunition by making um, incorrect free kicks or decisions. We're speaking with Peter Carey, who umpired over 300 games at AFL level throughout the 80s and 90s. You do a lot of coaching, obviously, of young umpires in this day and age. Do you find it's harder to find young kids who have a harder shell as a result of, I suppose, the changes and the values compared to 20, 30 years ago? Oh, it doesn't appear to be. Um, Obviously, I've only done it for a short period, having come come out of the basketball um, fraternity. But... The the younger ones, they they can see a a pathway that to you know VFL or AFL, and uh, they're as keen as mustard, and they they just want to they just they're like sponges. They just want to learn. They take on board the feedback, and uh, they try and put it into practice. So it's it's actually been really really good. And look, everyone sort of um, deals with the abuse and, and that sort of stuff differently, but by and large, I haven't seen anything that uh, would led me to think that there's a, a problem. Oh, that's good to hear. And Did any player or coach ever barge into the rooms back in the day after a game and complain about a decision? We often hear certain lines undertaken by coaches at press conferences in regards to certain decisions. Obviously, you didn't see the same type of press conference 20 to 30 years ago. No. Uh, was there ever that sort of behaviour? Um, oh, look, we, we copped our fair share. Uh, we, we didn't sort of get it. Um, in person, per se. Right. Uh, some, sometimes the manager would uh, come in and to collect the team, the, the team sheets and that and um, make a few comments. But other than that, no, there, there was certainly a bit in the press that sort of went on, which is no, no different to what happens now. Yeah, it's a fair point you make. We're speaking with Peter Carey here on SEN, a great umpire throughout the 80s and 90s. You umpired in your first final series in 1988 before getting your big break to officiate in the 1989 grand final, that famous match alongside Brian Sheehan. How nervous were you coming into that game, which turned out to be one of the all-time classics? Yeah, it was. Um, look, not so much nervous. It's more the uh, the sense of anticipation, the excitement of actually getting getting the game. And then you know you go out, you have a good look around, you take it all in because once the once the siren goes and the ball gets bounced, it's uh, it's game on. You got to concentrate 100. percent So uh, nerves nerves really weren't really a problem. As, as I said, it was that anticipation and excitement just being there. What were your recollections of the first bounce in that 89 grand final? Because so much happened in those first 30 seconds. Did you see Dermot Brereton go down, for instance? No, I don't think anyone saw Dermot go yeah. down. Um, I, I had the first bounce, so obviously I wanted to go up straight. It didn't, but that, that happened. And then uh, the ball got kicked down towards uh, Gary Ablett, and yeah. I had to follow the play. So I had my back to whatever was going on. Brian, obviously, likewise. Um, Abla kicks the goal. I run back to the centre as I'm running back. I see Dermy laying on the ground in a bit of agony, and I'm thinking, "My goodness me, what's what, what what's going on here?" Yeah. And uh, then we knew we knew that uh, it was game on, and it was obviously um, potentially Dermy uh, seek and destroy whoever it was uh, that that 
got him, but he just went back and just got on with the footy and kicked a couple of goals in the first quarter, which was uh, pretty inspirational. And proved decisive at the end of the game. The intensity, physicality and scoring really stood out that day in the 89 grand final, as well as some early brawling as well. Some of the Geelong players were targeting Dipper, I remember, in the centre of the ground. How did you keep up with it all? And Was it a bit of a blur when you look back on it, that game, or did you actually absorb the atmosphere and enjoy it? No, it was a bit of a blur. Um, obviously, it, it was the probably the last of the brutal grand finals. Mm. And it was it was pretty much brutal from from the start to the finish. Uh, I remember Brian and I after the game when it finished, we just sat in the rooms and we, we probably sat there for about forty five minutes to an hour, and no one said a word. We were that exhausted, <laughs> and I still couldn't remember a lot about the last quarter until I managed to watch a replay of it sometime later. Now that's 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 how much it sapped our energy. It's amazing, isn't it? And the players will probably say the same thing. You also umpired in the 92, 93 and 95 grand finals, which were a little more one-sided. The game evolved immeasurably during that time in the 80s and 90s, and an extra umpire was obviously installed. Was it easier for you as time moved on because you gained experience, or was it harder because the pace became quicker? Uh, 93 was the last of the two-umpire system, and we knew that it, the game had got so quick that we were really struggling and we were really fatigued at the end, end of games. Mm. And obviously they brought the three-umpire system in 94, and that, that allowed the likes of myself to be able to continue because if it had a state at two, I, I doubt I would have gone on as long as I did. Mm. So um, and it, it really had... The, the pace of the game really had increased dramatically, so we needed the three umpires. We're speaking with Peter Carey, a former VFL AFL umpire here on SEN. It would be remiss of me not to ask you about the famous mark you took in the 99 Fremantle v St Kilda game at Subiaco. I know you probably get asked about it a thousand times, but was it merely an instinctive thing that you did as the ball came at you? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, obviously, my reflexes as I was getting older weren't as sharp as what they probably should have been. And I expected Fletcher to kick the ball along the wing down the line and he came in board. Mm. So once he came in board, I could sense there was somebody behind me. So I sort of half looked back, panicked a little bit, and then next thing you know, the bees the ball and coming straight for me and I just just reacted. Um, why, I don't know, but it, yeah, it just happened. I think people look back on it very fondly, and it was a very good mark, I must say. Uh, you retired at the end of that 1999 season. What was your main reason behind that decision? Was it simply a case of you've done everything in the caper and obviously the fatigue was wearing you down maybe a little bit? No, I'd, I'd had it, uh, two Achilles operations, mm. um, and it, it had flared up again in towards the end of '98. And the whole of 99, I didn't train on the tra- training track at all. I spent all my training in the pool. So all, all I really wanted to do was um, get 300 games. And um, Swabby at the time said, well, as long as you can perform you know, on, on the weekend, we'll give you games um, and you can train in the pool. So that's pretty much what it was. So um, when it looked like I was going to get the 300 games, we, we pulled the pin. Because, there, again, there was there was no more need to keep going and, and the body had pretty much gave up. 
We're speaking with Peter Carey, former VFL, AFL umpire, over 300 games, of course, in the 80s and 90s. Just a few more before I let you go. We often speak about and give credit to players of that era, the champion players of that era, but there were many memorable umpires. Rowan Sawyers, of course, uh, Hayden Kennedy, I think, umpired alongside you, Darren Goldspink. Uh, Scott McLaren in his early days, I think, umpired alongside of you. What was the camaraderie like amongst the umpiring group? Yeah, it looked pretty good. Um, we we all sort of pulled together, and uh, there were there weren't any sort of silos or anything like that. Um, we, we worked well of a training. We trained all trained really well, and then on game day, we we knew we had a job to do, and we we had to do it together. So it was um, yeah, no spirits were pretty good. What about some of the senior umpires when you started? Was there anyone that you looked up to, such as uh, Rowan Sawyers, for example, who'd been around for a long time? Yeah, yeah, look, Row, definitely. Um, probably the main one for me was Peter Cameron. Yes. Um, he was, yeah, and he was a really good mentor as well. well I know when when I, we, it was him, him Camo, Brian Sheen and myself, uh, we got called back for the uh, announcement of the 88 Grand Finals. So two, two, two of us were going to get it. I, I missed out and was really, really disappointed. And Camo wrote me a, a letter just saying that, mate, don't worry about it. You've had a good year. Just put it all together again next year. So I use that as a bit of a spur to, um, you know, to guide me through 89, and it worked out really well. So I was very, uh, very complimentary to Camo for that. Um, he didn't have to do it, but he, yeah, that's the sort of guy he was. He, to, he just helped out all these fellow umpires. He was really good. Fantastic. It's probably better in a way because you got the better grand final, 89 over 88. Uh, what are your thoughts about the current standard of umpiring, which has been a big talking point this year, and also that holding the ball interpretation? Do you think it could be very confusing for the umpires today? What are your thoughts on that whole controversy or that talking point this year? Oh, yeah, look, it's, I don't think anything changes. I mean, we, we were classed as being inconsistent back in our day. And I think it's just something that gets labelled with, uh, with any officiating, whether it's basketball or or uh, football umpiring. Um, yeah, look, sometimes they're a little bit confusing with the interpretations, but again, there's a hell of a lot more cameras at games, and every game is televised, where that wasn't the case back in my day. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you might have got on the odd big uh, Channel 7 uh, replay of a Saturday night, and we we only had two cameras, and there was the the one the, the close in one and the one that panned out. And now they've got a heap of cameras, so the scrutiny's a lot lot uh, more uh, in, lot lot higher than what it was back in my day. And also in regards to the number of rules that are being brought in, do you think that in terms of the comparisons between now and the previous era, twenty five thirty years ago? that it is more difficult for umpires to follow, or do you think it's roughly the same in a way? You umpire to the directive that the league gives you. So if it means that, um, you know, the holding the ball interpretation as it is, well, then, yeah, that's that's the way you've got to go about it. And I think what, what sort of um, exacerbates that a little bit is the fact that um, the safety of players now is so much more paramount than what it was, what it was back in my day. Mm. Uh, it's a different game, and um, so yeah, it, it's it's going to be interpreted a little bit differently by the uh, by the umpires as per their directives. 
Speaking with Peter Carey here on SEM, former VFL, AFL umpire, amassing over 300 games. Just two more questions. Harking back to your involvement at local footy, and over the last couple of years, of course, you worked in the basketball scene prior to your time at the Eastern Footy and Netball League. What's the biggest change you've noticed about umpiring over the last 20 years uh, since you retired, and also in the mentoring aspect of young um umpires as well? Um, I think you, you've got the, the feedback to umpires has got to be a, a lot more positive, and it, it's. I think we've now gone the, gone down the um, the path of teaching and education more so than um, uh, evaluation, like like it was back in my day. We got evaluated, we were given a, a rating, and, and that was pretty much it. You were told when the free kick was right, when it was wrong. Now we're more about okay, we identify if the free kick is incorrect. And then we try and go through the steps to make sure that these are the strategies to make sure it doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't happen in the future. So uh, it's a lot more positive in the way we educate and um, uh, give the feedback to the to the umpires, and, and likewise with the basketball. Absolutely. And lastly, because of the scrutiny that you mentioned before, Pete, what are your thoughts on the future of umpiring? As a result of that scrutiny, is it becoming more of a struggle to find future officiators nowadays? Um, no, I don't think so. I think there's always the uh, the carrot to to get to the the elite level, the highest level. And uh, once you once you get there, then it's up to you to perform. And if you can perform, then you know, you know you, you obviously you get a game each week. So that's and I think they've opened up the opportunity a hell of a lot more for for, for the younger ones to come through. So the pathway is really good compared to what what it was back in my day. Um, so, no, I think it's, it's, it's encouraging and exciting for the young ones coming through. Well, good on you, Pete. Really appreciate your time. Certainly learnt a lot uh, having this discussion about umpiring and comparing the art of umpiring from 25 years ago to now. All the best for the future at local footy level as well. Hopefully things can get back on their feet from that perspective over the next 12 months. And all the best with the umpiring mentoring as well. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. No worries. Thanks, Damien. Thanks for your time. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.